0: Thank
1: you for joining us. Welcome, everybody, to the Pure Hope Show for the Hope Interface Center. We are so grateful you are here with us today. We get the absolute honor to be interviewing with Christine Keeland, who is an amazing woman who we admire so much. She is so loving and so pure-hearted. Christine is not only an incredibly gifted medium, she's a spiritual healer, an animal communicator, a beautiful mama and grandmother, and she has written such an incredible book. It's called A Clear Understanding of the Unthinkable. What those who have died by suicide want you to know. We are so blessed and honored to introduce Christine. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Hello,
0: Amy. I am so pleased, really so, my heart just overflows to be with you and your listeners today and to be part of the Hope um, Interfaith Center, to be included in, in the beautiful work that you do. So thank you so much for giving me this time to talk with you today and to your listeners.
1: Thank you so much for being here. Um, Christine does a lot of beautiful work with the Hope Interface Center, and every time everybody is just so moved, you can feel your pure love just flowing through if it's on Zoom or in person, and you've helped me so much in my own personal life that I just know everybody who's listening will get that gift of your love today as well. And you know
0: what's so wonderful is that we help each other. Because every time I'm able to guide and support someone that comes back to me and it goes out a thousand times to to the rest of the world. So there is no no end. There's just no end to what we do for each other. And, you know, aren't we lucky that we have that, that ability to do that for one another?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. I think I need a whole notebook for our time together today. <laughs> that is so true. I love the way you can just imagine that so beautifully. Just like that infinity sign of we all get to give to one another and receive from one another. Absolutely.
0: And right now uh, it's so important that we know, to know what we're giving and receiving, you
1: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, Christine, I want to give you an opportunity to speak about the work that you do. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about it? I would
0: love to. And um, I only hesitate because I don't like to, um, I like to whoever I'm working with guide me as to what's best for them. Mm-hmm. So I have certain mm-hmm. titles, like we're medium. They can talk to people who have, have transitioned out of the body. I can talk animals that are down out of the body. I can do body work and healing work. And, and I work with all the energetic fields way beyond um, just, you know, with, within your physical body, but all of you. I work with all of you in wholeness with you. I work with um, people who want to understand their life experience and how how to make sense of it. And once you understand something, you can start to change things into what's best for you. A lot of healing work, a lot of emotional Um, people with trauma, other people that um, maybe don't have that degree of trauma in their life, but they know there's something more that they want to explore. So, you know, there's certain titles that maybe go with the work that I do, but really it's just how can I best support you and guide you through my highest self with with, with my greatest pure intention of love and match you exactly where you're at and help expand you um, as you evolve as a soul and a physical body. Because this earth journey, you know, being a person is not always easy, it can be joyful, it can be sorrowful, and everything in between. And you know, it's very nice to have a guiding hand and uh, a guiding light, perhaps. Um, and we're all light. I don't mean that. I don't mean that uh, I'm the light, you know. But we all have a light <laughs> within us, and we need a little, you know, to recognize that within ourselves. And I find that's really the work that I do is to help people recognize their own divinity. And uh, mm-hmm. it may be underlayable, but it's it's there for all of us. And I had my own way of coming to find this about myself, Um, and I think that's helpful, too, because I do have experience of great sorrow and great joy, and that helps people relate to me, too, I think. But it always goes to, what does the soul want me to know, and how can I best express that to the person or people I'm working with?
1: Oh, my gosh, Christine, you are so... So incredibly loving and so kind. Um, You mentioned a little bit about kind of like your experience getting here where you experienced some sorrow and I'm sure some joy. Would you be willing to share a little bit more about that? Of course, of course. You know,
0: and for most of us, it starts, um, you know, as children and how we, the world and how the world relates to us and what we understand about ourselves. And for me, it was, you know, a bit of a confusing childhood. I felt love. Well, I felt love. I felt unloved. I understood I was loved. I knew there was more than what I was experiencing. Um, I, I I I felt a lot. Didn't really know how to um, make sense of it. So I distanced mm-hmm. myself from I really distanced myself from myself a lot. And by that I mean maybe people have ter- heard the term where you kind of Step out of the body a little bit, so I would lose time sometimes. I had um, early childhood trauma that was um, from like six months on, six months to three years, mm-hmm. that created a necessity for me to really, to really be more. Um, I'm trying to think of the right words to say this. Um, It necessitated. Actually, it was. It was my learning ground, was my training ground, how to connect to spirit, and how to live. How to live with um, misunderstanding. That's probably the best way to to to, to express it. And I'm only hesitating because I'm listening even to myself in perhaps a different way. And when trauma occurs to someone, when someone's abused, it's because there's a misunderstanding of the from the abuser's point of view. They don't understand their own experience, and then that becomes something they project onto someone else. So my survival was to, to remove myself from the physical. I could go back into the spiritual, the energetic field of love, which helped me, um, one, remember how to communicate with spirits and how to mm-hmm. to retain my own sense of um, really my own sense of physicality how to stay physical and how i hope this is making sense
1: um yeah it definitely is
0: yeah and then i grew up in a household where my mom was psychic and she talked about being psychic when we were growing up and talked to the angels um taught taught a lot about it but it was very you know this was in during the 1970s it wasn't really well received people Mm -hmm. thought it was against god and so i just remember being you know my mom talking to me and i knew about my angels and i'd talk to them um, I didn't have a high, a concept yet of my higher self, how to work with that. But I did work with my angels um, a lot. And by, I remember mm-hmm. saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be public with this. I don't want the, mm-hmm. the um, repercussions that come with it. I just want to be normal. I just want to be very, very normal. <laughs> and when you come from, you know, when you, yeah, right, I just want to be normal. Like everybody, I want to be, you know, leave it to beaver. And when you have an experience of trauma, you carry a lot of shame with you. And, guilt. And, and as a kid, I, this was repressed memories. So I didn't even know where my feelings came from. Um, but as I got more intuitive, those memories came through, and I was able to heal myself um, through energy work, through intuition, through understanding the greater experience. So it became not something horrible that happened to me, but just an experience. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. So, so um, yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm a lot older than 20. I'm 60 years old now. So I have had a lot of experience. I've had great love in my life. I've had people die that have been very important to me. I was diagnosed with cancer in 2009. That was really, really my um, where I was fully awakened. I would say this is where I knew something was more than me, more than what I was experiencing in my life, and there was something I needed to do about it. I didn't quite know what that meant yet, but I was very open to um, to what that possibility would be. And it's really interesting that I that I wrote a I co-wrote a book with my um, really good friend Mary Bauer about suicide because in my twenties, really my teens and my twenties, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts, and it was because I knew there was more, but I didn't know what the more was, and it was so painful to be here and not know myself and not know why, um, not know why or how this thing that was tangible to me that I knew was greater than what I experienced, but I couldn't express it. I didn't know what it was, and so it just turned into depression. And I worked through that over many years, and, um, you know, it's, it's really a, it's, it's, it's a learning experience. There's no bad things that happen to us. It's just what do we do with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, my gosh. You have had such a life journey to I thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Um, I think it, it, just like you said, like it just helps us relate and know you're human and just to see the most loving, incredible woman that you are today, even though you've been through all of that, I think gives me a lot of hope to say like we can go through these really hard things and like still come out being a loving, wonderful, intuitive Loved or lovable person, and he's such a great example of that. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for that kind endorsement. I appreciate that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we appreciate you. Oh. <laughs> I would love to talk about your book. I really feel called to tell the story quick. Um, So my sister Janelle, we are like twins. We're together all day, every day.
0: (laughs) Um, And I have a
1: trip coming up where I'm going to be gone a few days next week. And I feel like sometimes really nervous when I have to leave her um, because I I worry about her a lot. Like she's just going through so much right now. And I was reading your book this morning, trying to go over it to look at the questions and everything. And I went into meditation and prayer time and I had your book open on my table by my computer, and I closed my eyes. And when I opened my eyes right next to your book is a picture of Janelle from when she was about four years old. And that picture was not there before, and I don't think I've ever seen this picture oh my goodness. before. <laughs> yeah. So in my meditation, I was praying to the angels, asking, like, please just send, like, extra comfort to her and to me as, like, we take this trip next week. And then as soon as I opened my eyes, <laughs> This picture
0: was there. So oh your book
1: has such magic to it. It is incredible. And I know the first time I read it, I just felt such a deep sense of comfort and peace and connection to other people. Like it really helped me connect with empathy and compassion for others. And so you and Mary have given the world such a gift through this book. It's so great.
0: Oh, that's that. that just touches me so deeply and I I I'd like to say the picture of Janelle showing up was amazing but and it is amazing but I hear that (laughs) I hear that all the time things like that happening and it's just it's our confirmation right we doubt things we wonder things and it's just it's always 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 present this love and this expansion and the help and support we have it's never it's it's like oxygen It's always 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 here and um, yes our, our great joy is that this book is touching people in profound ways and it is i've talked to people in about seven or eight different countries that um have had very similar experiences where this book touches them it's what they need to hear it is and again this book comes through you know we were the vessel that this information came through it made sense to us we it was partnership with the souls that came through but what a what a gift what a gift from those who have experienced this and how they want to share this and let people know why they why they feel the way they do and how they can help themselves and how they can help others because you know, you've read the book but there's some really great takeaways and there's great questions for everybody, whether you've experienced a suicide not how to know yourself and how to know others better. And how do you how do you define love? How do you define life experience? It's yeah, yes. I'm, I'm so glad you read it. I'm so appreciative.
1: Oh my gosh, it is such a great book. Um Can you maybe tell us, like, a little bit about, like, how the book came to be and how did you choose the families or the people who you wrote about in the book?
0: I would love to. Well, Mary and I both do intuitive work. Mary, you know, she's more of a – I mean, she's a fantastic – for the best I've ever met as far as reading energy and knowing energy. She does body work. She's She's trained in healing touch and other modalities. And then I work with clients. I don't use the table anymore. I work more one-on-one. But we've been seeing, um, you know, over the years, especially the last couple of years, an increase in suicides and especially young suicides. And we've wondered, mm-hmm. rather than after the fact, how can we help people? You know, we get people that come in that are suicidal or their family member's suicidal. But we also get a lot of people, I especially get a lot of people after the fact. They want to know, as a medium, how can I help them? And... Um, a few years ago, I used, I used to work in the school district before I started doing this work, and a few years ago a staff member from one of the middle schools called me, and there was a young man who died by suicide who was 14, and she just asked if I could check in and see what was going on. And he told me that, um, that he told me that, that he was the catalyst, that it was not his preferred way, but he needed people to understand um, teenagers. And he had certain behaviors that they weren't paying attention to. So he told me the perspective from, like, school staff members. We didn't get into too much of the family. Um, so that was a 14-year-old. And he told me that his behavior changed. He quit looking teachers in the eye. And that was that, for him, that was his biggest clue. If you see a child that normally looks in the eye and often they stop, there's, there's a pause adult, adults need to take and wonder what's going on. So that young boy was 14. But I have seen a young as 6 and 8 years old either succeed in dying by suicide or, or um, really trying hard to lead that way, all the way up to 92. Mm-hmm. So this this is a life experience and there's many, many different reasons. So that, that was our wondering. And so we, it's like we put a call out to the universe, how can we help? And one day, um, Mary and I were, she called me out of the blue. She was in her yard gardening, she has a little farm in Wisconsin and she was gardening and she just heard really clearly the gentleman in our first book saying, I'm ready to talk. I need to talk to you right now. She ran the house covered in dirt, called me. I was watching my granddaughter that day. She said, we've got to do this. We have we have a gentleman coming in, wants to tell a story. I said, absolutely, we'll do this. So for the next, um, I'm not sure if it was nine months or but we met every Wednesday. Sometimes it was all day. Sometimes we met between that. We just listened and we channeled um, the first gentleman. And then we didn't, We didn't necessarily ask for people, but people, they just came through and said, I'm here. I want to tell you my story. We kept it to 10 for, um, um, you know, we wanted the highest and best, the most clear. To me, Mm -hmm. I I think from reading it, you get a sense of the actual person. They each use their own language, their own sense of who they are. And they came to us, and they, they all had a different reason for, um, choosing suicide is an option experience it, and they wanted to explain why and how they could help. So we just we listened and we, we recorded all the sessions. Um, Mary was really good at asking questions and I did most of the channeling. Once the model met, you know, it was equal it was equal, but she's really good at asking the questions, holding that space and together we mm-hmm. just let we let the souls come through and tell their story. It was really one of the most powerful experiences. Such a really honored that I could do that. Many other people do, but I was really honored that that I could participate in this book in this way. Wow, we did that. That is so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we did change the names of people, and we changed the town and the location where they were born. Um, we just felt that was the most honorable and the most generous way to present that because some of the people, um, you know, we, we don't know who's reading it, but some of the, you know, a lot of the family members are still alive and we do know they're reading the book. So uh, that's okay. the only thing we changed. We didn't change any words or any of the experiences. And then it took time to edit the book, to edit it down so that it was readable. We created a glossary so people could understand maybe terms that weren't familiar to them. Um, but yeah, basically we just, we listened, we talked, we listened, and we wrote it all
1: down. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, One of the things that I hear really clearly as you're talking about the families and the people who were brought through in this book is that you and Mary both have incredible integrity. And I know that seems so loudly through the work that you do, too. But just your love and integrity throughout the entire process—you can feel it and you know it um, through your work and through your words. So I really want other people to know that as well.
0: You know, these are difficult. These are difficult topics, and one thing that came through really loud and clear, and I appreciate that too, Amy. You know, we never, ever, ever want to cause harm or cause more distress for somebody. Um, and what really came through in the book. None of these souls blamed anybody for their life experience or for their reason for committing suicide. They explained mm-hmm. why, how they got to the point was, but it was never "Somebody made me do this," or um, there was no blame. It was just truly when you read, it, it's, it's all through that lens of love or misunderstanding mm-hmm. of love, and that you can under, I'm, I'm so grateful you can understand that we do hold that high space. You know our intention is um, always to offer the best
1: always 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 -hmm. offer our best yes yeah and it definitely comes through it definitely does there is um a little part in the book can i read this one part to our listeners is that okay yes please (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: okay this is one like this is one of the parts of the book that i have highlighted that i read a lot um it's on page 36 And it says, Mm -hmm. choose to look at your life as a great opportunity to try lots of different feelings, thoughts, experiences, then pick the ones that feel the best and keep thinking about those. This is the first step. Decide what you want to think about and how you want to feel. You do know what feels good and what feels bad. Don't choose to feel bad. Don't let yourself get caught in a creation of yours that feels bad. You can always think differently. It's the same for everyone. It's a bit of a crutch to believe you can't think of something else. You can, but must be easy on yourself. At first, there's a lot of momentum in your habits. They call to you some day and night. Ask for what you need. Say, I need strength to think new thoughts so I feel better. Your highest self, your guides, your helpers, and they they answer immediately with your best thoughts. These are put into your energy field for you to hear. It's your job to let go of the ones that you don't want to think and grab what's new. No one can do this for you. I thought that was so impactful yes oh and you know every time i read that it relates to some different moment in my life that i need to hear that so i just i know this book is going to help change so many lives so many lives but um i want to ask you do you have a favorite part of the book that you kind of keep going back to or a favorite story um actually what
0: you just read i do i that one that one I need to read once in a while, too, um, because even though you intellectually know it, sometimes you need the reminder to go back there and, um, you know, children know it. Children know how to, how to do that. We kind of don't encourage it or don't foster that ability to, to find out. They know exactly what feels good and bad. And sometimes we tell them not to. So that's really important. I love there's a young woman in here, Joy, um, young teenager. And her life experience, her her desire, her soul's desire was to have singular focus, and that was just, that was her experience. She was a um, kind of what you would call it, you know, a type type A personality. Did everything to mm-hmm. the, to, um, to the best, but sometimes to extreme, and she didn't know how to take a break. And that was really what she wanted. That story resonates with me. Um, you know what? I'm looking through all the names, they all talk to me, but what really resonates with me the the most is that love is always present. You are loved no matter what. Um, It's always available. You you, you come from love and you return from love. And I think that's what causes the greatest pain in people is they don't recognize that. They don't understand that. And as I'm saying that, that sounds like, you know, such a cliche or such a, you know, something you put on a, not a sticker or a T-shirt, but it's, it's absolutely true. And this, some for some people, there's an angst of knowing more, and it can be that. What is love? What's my definition of love? And we have different definitions of love between parents and children and spouses and friends and, um, you know, siblings. So understanding what pure conscious love is, it, I think, is my, my greatest takeaway. And I, I look at it every single day. And I do my best to make sure that that's how I'm living. But the stories, and I hope this answered your question. I kind of went off <laughs> sideways. Oh, no. but, um, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, they all they all speak to me. Um, it's mm-hmm. really what's my definition of love. That one really helps me and helps my clients the most. Because so many people, you know, we are we're worried about one another. We're upset about one another. We don't understand why they don't listen to us or why they do like the way they do. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom and a grandma. And I I know I raised my children with, you know, I hate to kind of hate to admit with fear. I was so afraid that either they would experience what I experienced. I did not want them to have to go through depression or go through shame or have any anyone project that on them. But I also didn't want to ignore things. I also worried about them. That's a Really common definition of love. I'll worry about you. That's not really love. That's really um, not trusting the soul, trusting the person. Of course, of course, you have to be aware of what's going on in people's lives. But that—that um, that, um, you know—that was a running theme with a couple of the different stories. Is what is love? Mm-hmm. How is love expressed? How do I know myself? And how do I how do I project that love onto someone else?
1: Yes, yeah. I love that you asked that question, like, what is love? Because you're right, it's going to look different in different relationships and with different people. So I love having that question, like, even every day, a few times a day of asking yourself, like, okay, what is love or what is love in this situation? Um, I love what you and said how about know? the worry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs>
0: and some people don't, you know, it's, I also, you know, like, how do you know your love? Because that's also coming from outside yourself, which of course we want love from everybody else, right? You want to be feel loved. Um, but love should always make you feel good. Being loved, being loved is like there's really no words for it, but when you know you're loved, you don't feel bad about yourself. You don't feel bad about the other person. You feel it's exactly what you were saying earlier. It's like what do you, you know what feels right. You know what feels good. You create from that. You create from that space. And... Um, I, I want to say unfortunately, but even that's not exactly accurate because I know we all experience things in our own way for the soul's evolution, but unfortunately, a lot, a lot of people don't understand what love is. they don't have that um, present in their life or it's a distorted it's a distorted definition of love. and that's really you know that that's what this book comes down to. Even that young girl the joy that I, that I like her story a lot. Um, Her parents loved her, but they didn't hear her. They didn't see her. They didn't recognize her, their own. And this is not blaming them by any means. And she made it very clear. And so did all the others. And I'm making it very clear. It's not blaming one another. It's just understanding the person you're with and understanding yourself. And they kind of chose her path at a very young age because she showed a lot of talent and a lot of, intelligence in one area. And this young child wanted to experience a lot of different things in life, just like you had talked about in the passage. There's so much to experience. We limit, our, we limit ourselves without even being aware that we limit ourselves. So this book is about expansion, about living, about joyfully experienced life in many, many different ways. Yes, the book's about suicide and a clear understanding and thinkable. But what if the thinkable was I'm limitless? I have possibilities I have outcomes that I've never even thought of no maybe that's the unthinkable It's really shifting our consciousness into something that we we have yet to experience globally across humanity this book is a good stepping stone in that and I, when I look out across the world and what we're experiencing now yes it's very difficult It is very extreme in some instances but as I said earlier it's experience that brings us to something else. Just as I was abused as a child, which you don't want, I would never want someone else to experience that, but it didn't, it defined me for a while until I understood it. Having a cancer diagnosis did not scare me because it didn't define me. It gave me more information. I know, okay, there's something wrong in my body. I have information. What do I do with it? How do I create health? What's wrong with my, my, um, not what's wrong. What's misunderstood about myself? Why was this created in my body? Any disease is a, a communication with you. So when you have suicidal thoughts, you want to go into suicide, it's because the, it's the miscommunication with yourself. Basically, that's the bottom line. It's a miscommunication with yourself. But then extends into a miscommunication with other people. I'm not being heard. I'm not being seen. I'm not being understood. And I don't have a way to to have you understand me. I don't have a way to understand myself and this is my best option. And as I say that, that may sound horrible, especially if you experience a suicide in your life. But death, death is an expansion of life. And suicide Mm -hmm. is an option out of the body, just as um, an illness or a car accident or a heart attack or falling off the ladder they are perceived differently and we receive them we receive that information differently and spirit told me a long time ago there are many traumatic events but there are no tragedies and i say that with the hesitations, because if you're a parent or spouse or a child or a friend of someone who's died by suicide of course it's a tragedy i i i don't undermine that at all i will never tell you or even try to pretend i know what your experience is like When you can start to see why the soul chose it, what's the benefit to the soul, and what's the benefit to the other people who are are surviving and still living through the suicide, that helps tremendously because you start to see the bigger picture and you don't have that limited view. When you understand what the soul, that's why I think this book is so important because it gives you the broader perspective. It gives you a bigger picture. It gives you more information. Information is always, always helpful. What do I do with that information? That's up to me. It's up to me mm-hmm. to not, you know what? And you do get, you know, you get stuck in a shock bubble. You get stuck in trauma. You get, it's like you can't move, you can't breathe, you can't think when you when this happens to you. But but eventually, you are given lots of support and love for many many mm-hmm. different areas, so that you can even if it's just to let your breath out and you take a couple of steps, you start to see the uh, the wisdom, the value of the experience, and I hesitate saying that because if you're somebody listening who died, who's had a loved one die by suicide, mm-hmm. that can seem cruel. I don't mean to sound cruel, but I do mean, I do mean to encourage you to read this book or something else that you're drawn to because there's, as Amy has said, this book is helpful. It really, really mm-hmm. helps people. I I talked to um, a couple in England. And they had just read the book, and they went for a walk at their local um soccer field or football field, and they came across a friend that they hadn't seen for few years and the friend told them that their father in law had just died by suicide like two days before they gave oh. him the book they gave this book to the to the father to the mother in law it was so helpful of course they're grieving of course it's you know you retain what you can, but they've read it multiple times it's helped a lot because it it, it it takes away once it takes you know it does help i can't tell much you know i can't i can't say definitely but it they start to see that it wasn't because they didn't love enough or didn't get it or or you know helps them maybe not blame themselves you know it gets so confusing but this book does help it does help mm-hmm. a lot and i've heard that the book's been out for a year and every week we hear from people or it's them, or, or, unfortunately, we hear from people every week that there's um, been another another person died by suicide. I mean, some weeks here are four or five, four or five people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and children. Okay. And, and oh, so cool. as much as this is a soul, many times it's a soul's choice. This is part of their soul plan coming in. This may options most likely I will die by suicide because, of you know, this helps me, it benefits my family. There's a wonderful story here by um, a gentleman named Ted explains why he wanted to, um, his children wanted to experience total devastation so they wouldn't have to recreate it again. So when you see it from that perspective, you know, it sheds a new light on it. Um, but there are also mm-hmm. people dying by suicide right now because they're losing the will to live. They can't see a change in the world. And there's this oppressive... Um, energy right now of, you know, you could say lack of hope. So that's another thing we want to look at is to get people to understand themselves, understand and know that this moment in time that we're experiencing right now is not forever. There is so much love and beauty and light coming in um, and um, you know, our outcomes are different now. We're in a different vibrational and, and field, a different frequency. So the possibilities that limited us is changing
1: mm-hmm. oh my gosh I love that I think that's such a message of hope for people to hear because I think it's almost daily now where we hear people say like oh I just can't do this anymore or you know like when are things going to get better it's probably like mm-hmm. the biggest question we're asked all the time when is it going to get better and I love how you say like there is so much light and so much love coming in, um, that, and then the message in the book of like, we can choose, like we need to have these loving, beautiful experiences. And, you know, and we take that first step into thinking better and, you know, again, just yeah. experiencing that love. Um, one question I have for you is, um, so we talk about, Like when you get that diagnosis or when that death in that's very close to you happens and how you said like we're kind of in shock or we're in that place of um, maybe not being able to read a book yet or even take anyone's um, words of love yet. But what do you think either from your own experience or when you get to help others in front of you, what do you think would be the most helpful or what would you help someone with to kind of gently guide them out of that place to be able to feel that light again?
0: Um, honestly, touch.
1: Mm-hmm. Touch is mm-hmm. so
0: important. And if you're... Because I work with couples where a child is died, um, family members, friends, part part of our normal way is to, to maybe go away from the pain. Mm-hmm. I encourage others to go into the pain. Not to stay there, but when you, it's like breaking, um, um, you know when you see that layer of ice over snow? Once you step mm-hmm. in it, it breaks. So if you step into the pain in your best way, Maybe you're saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what you're going through, I have no idea to help you, but can I hug you? Can I sit with you? Can I hold your hand? Can I get you a cup of tea? Um, pa- family members need to do their best to, and this is hard because it goes into blame tonight, but touch is really important. That's mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to mind. And, um, and, and let them know that you will... It's a lot of listening. Um, people are looking for answers. At a, we, Mary and I had a couple a couple weeks ago that um, reached out to us and we did a session with them. Their son died by suicide, I think, two weeks previously, two, three weeks previously. And they had read the book, and we knew, working with them, they weren't going to be able to hear everything. Um, just because you can't, you're in a fog, you're in shock. It's like, but, you, but I do trust, and I want other people to trust, you hear what's best for you in the moment. You see what's best mm-hmm. in the moment. And, and you'll open yourself up. And, and with, um, if you're a person who, who experienced a death by suicide, do your best to open yourself up that whatever I need to hear, see, understand, have be present in my life, ask that be brought to me now. And it can be brought to you through the funeral director who helps you in the best way. It can be brought to you by the person in the grocery store when you're in a fog and you're buying groceries. You don't even know your cart's empty. You thought you did grocery shopping and you didn't and you get to the counter there's nothing there. It could be the person who's trying to check you out. It's like we have such a deep connection between one another and we have a natural ability to heal without even knowing that's what we're doing. If you see a child, um, here's a good way to think of that. If you see a toddler, see someone in distress, most child, almost 100% of them will walk over and give you a pat on the back or kiss you or hug you. or They know without words that they can help and assist. So as we go mm-hmm. through our daily life, there are so many, there are others out there on a soul level. They may not even, it can be the lady at the checkout counter that's offering that mm-hmm. healing, that allows you to be in that space. Um, but it's really physically what do we do? You show up for each other.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: just show up. You say, I don't, I don't know this. I don't have this experience. And we have a lot of um I see this a lot, and I see it through all types of deaths and through all illness. people will say, let me know I can help you. That's an empty mm-hmm. promise. And I don't mean it unkindly, but mm-hmm. that person does not reach out to you. Don't say it unless you mean it. And if you mean it, you show up with a bag of groceries, you show up, you do their laundry, you show up and go in their house and say, I'm here for two seconds. I'm going to give you a hug and I'm going to leave. I'm going to do what's best for you. I'm going to work through my uncomfortableness. And that's your expansion. The person who didn't experience, your expansion is to show up for the other person and do it in your best way. If you can't, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But um, that's even more isolating for people to say, uh, reach out to me. And then, because then it feels like your obligation is done.
1: And that's more
0: isolating, more painful.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I think that is such huge advice, like for, you know, because, you know, a lot of us, like I know in our family, all of us women are natural caregivers, but, you know, Mm -hmm. some people are not. So I know that advice, like showing up for other people, that physical touch, that sitting with them and listening, that is incredibly helpful. Yeah, and,
0: and you may not, like I said, you may not be the caregiver. You may not the person, like you may not be comfortable with that. People aren't comfortable with emotion. They don't like to. do But you can send a card. You can send, um, um, just send your thought. Mm-hmm. My thought is from my deepest part of my soul, from the part of me that understands how to support you and love you, I'm doing that telepathically. I'm doing that heart-to-heart. Because we all have different life experiences, and not everybody's able to show up with a bag of groceries or sit in someone's um, living room when they've experienced a trauma like this. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's about knowing yourself. What's my best? I'm going to give my best, and sometimes it's soul to soul. Like we talked about the lady in the grocery store, that's soul to soul. I recognize you. I recognize you need love and support, and I maybe do it through my eyes. I'm not even aware I'm doing it, but I'm offering you support. It's so important, and I'm glad, glad you said it, knowing who we are, how we best operate, but please don't shy away from uncomfortableness. Um, growth comes from being uncomfortable. And sometimes growth comes from That's, tragedy, through trauma.
1: Yes, yes, that is so true. Lean into that uncomfortableness. Oh, my gosh. And I, that the way that I just, you see, like, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, I, was just, I had a very funny image. It's, it's like, um... And then hopefully, but I just saw like a teenager wearing pants tight, you know, pants that are too short. They're way too above their pants, and the underwear is too tight. And it's like, you know, if you stay in, if you don't ever change your pants and change your underwear, you're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, you will remain uncomfortable for the rest of your life. So get the bigger pair of pants. Try <laughs> the underwear that fits. It's like, you know, expansion is not always pleasant, but it is necessary. And it, yes. it becomes, you know, you know, if I get a new pair of pants, when I have grown, well, look at the opportunities. I can wear exactly what I want. So you know, it's just it's just the image I saw. But growth is um, don't remain uncomfortable. Stay as
1: long as it's necessary, mm-hmm. and then and then reach out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I think everyone can relate to that, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so cute. We'll oh right under. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh, I think that's such a great visual, and it's so true. It's like you can change that uncomfortableness for your own self, just like you said, to show up in your own way and to show up in your best way. I think that's so impactful to hear because, you right, everyone is at a different level in a different place, and that brings such grace to it.
0: Absolutely, and I encourage people not to isolate yourself. Whatever you're going through, whether it's the death of a suicide or a divorce or job loss or friendship loss or a diagnosis, change, whatever it is, you know, some people, have, they just want to isolate. Do your best not to isolate. And going back to the passage Amy mentioned earlier, you know what feels good. So if you if you reach out to someone that doesn't feel good, you are not getting you, don't give up. Find someone else. Find someone that you know someone you don't know. i I said, people have... Um, You know, when I was a kid, people just always talked to me, always. I felt like I had a side of my head. A stranger on the bus would end up talking to me, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I always gave good advice. I I know I was tapping into their soul and what they most needed to hear. Sometimes it is a stranger. Sometimes it isn't. Don't limit who, who you reach out to, but don't give up. There is someone out there who will hear you, support you, and guide you and love you in your best way to help you through this trauma whatever that trauma may be for you.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think like when we pray or when we say it out loud to the universe or even in our thoughts of um, like, please send me support or send me angels or guides um, or just help yeah. me get out of this. Um, do you feel like most of the time it shows up as other people in our lives, um, whether expected or unexpected? I think it
0: shows up in multiple It shows up with people a lot. It shows up in music. It shows up in maybe you just get calm. And it's about, in asking, allow me to accept my highest and best mm. help in my highest and best way. That whatever part of me likes to reject help, um, that that's overridden, but that I can see clearly. I hear that song from Johnny Nash. I can, hear, hear, I can see clearly now. But that was because we will continue to have things brought to us. Ask, you know, you ask yourself, but then do we receive it? Because a lot of people don't oh. receive it. They ask for it, and then they don't receive it. And I saw on your page, the Amy, you in the airport, and you saw an angel book. Like, that shows up like that. It absolutely is people. Absolutely is people. Um, but it comes in lots of different ways. So don't reject anything. Um, do animals and music and um, comes through food many times. I mean, that sounds really odd, but... <laughs> but um, that sounds really odd, but I'm hearing it does come through. Oh, it comes through service. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes through big ways. It comes. It can be just that momentary exchange with someone, or it's a new person in your life that helps and supports you, or a person that's been in your life, and all of a sudden they, they their behavior shifts a little bit. But it's about receiving. Oh. Yes, it's asking asking you shall receive, but it's really important to receive. And a lot of times we don't normally receive, and so that's where you ask your highest self to come in and please, like, override my personality. Personality, a lot of oh. times, I, I can do this by myself. There's value in doing it by myself. It's better to do it by myself. It's, you know, we, don't, we shouldn't ask for help. Um, that's your personality. That's not your soul. So ask for soul to receive whatever's in your highest and best interest and kind of get out of your own way. And you know you know when you're going your own way? Because your body gets tense your body gets tight. You get your throat may get restricted. You may have you know, you just it's listening to your body. And when you're going through a trauma that can be difficult because your body already is tense and tight. But you know even if it's just a little a little like a like a sigh. You know? When you, you know when you're with person that gets you, your body just relaxes. Or you really're not so tight. Um, I was with a gentleman the other week and he was an experienced, um something he's done his whole life, and he, and he walked away from me, He says, you know what, that's the first time I wasn't anxious through that wow. hour-long thing I had to go through. And I thought, that's great awareness. That's what you're looking for. That's accepting yourself and accepting spirit's help from your angels and your guides and everybody else that helps. It's, it's just knowing. It's, it's, again, this whole book and everything we talked about, about knowing yourself. You know, we know things that aren't true about ourselves. We're told, don't Mm -hmm. accept help. It's not, you know, don't ask for help. That's not really accurate. You know, why would we accept, you know, it's like someone sends you a bouquet of flowers and saying, oh, they're lovely, I love them, but, you know, no, please, don't. they're not for me. Send them away. That's what you do (laughs) when you ask for help from angels and guides and highest self. It's it's kind of insulting, actually, but that's not how spirit sees it, you know. They will just keep Mm -hmm. coming and showing, and, and your highest self is always available, your angels, your guides, everybody, they're, you know, the universe is always here for you. Always, 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 always. It doesn't matter how many times wow. you turn your back on it. Mm-hmm.
1: That is so incredible to learn. And I know I needed to hear that, and I'm sure everyone listening will go, oh, yeah, I needed to hear that too. <laughs> and one
0: other thing I wanted to mention, you had mentioned earlier, is we do know what feels good. So even if you've had a life experience that's been pretty, you know, it's, been a lot of what we call more bad than good, or going through, um, you know, the death of a suicide. In your physical body, in your memory, in your soul body, you have a memory of being calm, of being perhaps happier, just being connected to yourself somewhere in there. And that's why I always tell people, put your hand on your heart. It's like your memory bank. It's your library. There is a part of me that remembers where I had a good connection to myself or maybe the person who passed. I remember all of this. So when we can't find our way, touch your body and ask for that highest and best of yourself, the highest and most loving memory to be present with you right now. Touch my heart, touch my hand or my belly, whatever makes sense to you. You know where placing your hands on your body feels the best and not even everybody's comfortable placing their hands on their body. That feels weird to them too. I encourage you to let yourself experience that and you will be surprised what shows up for you Mm
1: -hmm. you will be surprised how your
0: body just shifts and change and then other things are allowed to come in
1: wow how often do you recommend doing that
0: a thousand times a day if you need to (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah but you know i would say start in the morning you know, a good, a good thing is do it, do it when you wake up in the morning and do it at every meal. But if you feel yourself getting anxious or you feel, and I'm not telling people not to feel their life. I'm not saying don't feel the emotion or don't, you know, I'm not telling you to be a zombie. But it's centering yourself. Yeah. It's just taking a pause. So you, you, when you start to listen to your body, you recognize, oh, you know what, in 10 minutes, I recognize I've been having anxiety or um, sadness creep again for the last ten minutes. I'm mm-hmm. recognizing that now, so maybe I'll catch it at eight minutes. Maybe I'll catch it at eleven when it's already present, but I'm recognizing that though. So when you feel when you just feel off balance, off center, when you feel when you feel like you can't go on, literally when you feel like I can't, I can't do this life anymore, especially when you experience suicide, because many people have experienced the suicide, they lose, they don't want to live either. Mm-hmm. They lose mm-hmm. that desire. Go right back to center. Mm-hmm. And whatever words make sense to you, I'm bringing, bringing God, bringing the universe, bringing source, bringing your love, bringing whatever that is, but you touch yourself. You touch yourself in your heart. And it may, it may be a fleeting, I want you to understand, it may be a fleeting half a second that you feel better. And that's okay. For some people, it may feel better for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But even if it's half a second, the more you do that, it becomes a second. It becomes 30 seconds. It becomes more. And then you can navigate life a little bit better. And you can start to understand the experience. And it also, there's a lot of forgiveness involved. I forgive myself with love for what I understood and what I didn't understand. I forgive myself with love for I missed the mark. Right? I just... And that's including yourself and everybody else. So there's a lot of tools and techniques. There's a lot of, you know, wisdom to be shared. But start with yourself. Just start with touching your heart. Allow yourself Mm -hmm. that peace and grace to come through. And and grace always comes through when you touch your heart. And grace clears the field. Gets rid of all this this distortion.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, Christine, that is so beautiful and so powerful. I think that is life-changing. What a tool to have to be able to do that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, pleasure to be with you today, Amy, and with your listeners. Oh, my
1: gosh. You, too. Um, we want to let everybody know where they can find you or get a hold of you to book a session or time with you, and then to also buy this amazing book of yours. And, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, the
0: book's on Amazon. It's a clear understanding of the unthinkable Um you can look at the reviews. You can look at, you know, you can read a little bit of the pages. You can read a little bit about me and Mary. Amazon, I believe it's also on Apple and um, oh, I, I should know this. There's a couple of other platforms at the moment. It's escaping me where they're at. We're um, smart. That's not the name. SmartBooks or something. I don't remember the name. Sorry about that. Oh, Goodreads I think has uh, something in there, but you can buy it through Amazon. Um, okay. You can order it through Barnes and Noble. They have to order a copy for you. Um, you can find me at christinekeelan.com, um, and you can book a session through there. You can learn more about me. You can also send an email. There's a contact page on my on my website. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I also have a Facebook page or Instagram, Christine Kielin. but really getting through my website's the easiest.
1: Okay. Oh, thank you so much. I feel like today changed my life for the better. I'm so grateful for you, Christine, and all of your love that you share not only with us here at the Hope Interface Center, but everyone throughout the world. Your purpose is really, really big, and I think it is to just help others feel loved and to know that they are just love in human form.
0: Well, thank you. If I get one person to understand that they're loved, My day is complete, right? So thank you. Thank you, thank you. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And on behalf of the Hope Interface Center, we are so grateful for you, Christine, and for everyone tuning in. And we will see everybody next month. And we are so grateful, Christine. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you a wonderful rest of your day, everybody.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.